here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey guys, Rob here. Um, this episode is the Tag League episode of the Brit Rest Roundtable. And, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, it's very late because we were live and the aim of this was to have it up, uh, I guess, last Tuesday at this point. But, unfortunately, I got very ill after being at Tag League. Got that wrestling flu, which sucked. And, unfortunately, because I'm the one who edits the podcast, it's a bit late. I still think it's a good episode, though. Uh, we got a bunch of fun recordings, and we had a bunch of great guests on, um, which you're about to see. Yeah, the format of this one's basically we did a live recording after each of the individual shows of Tag League, and we've bunched them all together here for this episode. Hope you enjoy. Furious, and I'm in Germany. And with me in Germany is Robin Reed. Hello, I made it this time. Yes, uh, not in Germany is Ollie Court. He's sat at home feeling sad, but he's going to Japan soon, so that's fine. Uh, also with us is Brother Mort. Hello, guys. From Denmark. <laughs> he's also in Germany. Uh, and we're recording this uh, just after Inner Circle. We've just come from the um, historic WXW Academy in downtown sunny Essen, uh, where there isn't much crime and there aren't murderers everywhere, which is what the taxi driver said. <laughs> and we're going to talk about uh, the show that we've just seen and how much fun we had uh, clapping and stuff. So we started off with um, Australian Open, I guess that's an in-joke already, sorry, uh, Aussie Open, uh, against uh, Coast to Coast, which is uh, Leon St. Giovanni and Shaheem Ali? Correct. Thank you. Um, I was not familiar <laughs> I with I had these. no idea who either of these people yeah, were. Yeah, no, I didn't know who they were at all, but uh, I thought they were quite good. Yeah, they were, I think they debuted in Ring of Honor in their top prospect tournament, like, beginning of 2017, and they've just been teamed up, and they're the, like, undercard jobbers for them at the moment, and... You know, they've, they've kind of stagnated there from the little I've seen. So then, you know, taking the plunge and I imagine bringing themselves out to Europe to to base themselves for a little while to kind of... 
reinvigorate their careers it doesn't seem like too bad an idea it seems to keep borrowing a lot of people from America they have so many to spare that it's just like, oh well, we'll have these guys how do you say that like the US Indies isn't too <laughs> yeah, too deep right now yeah but there's a lot of wrestlers there's a lot of wrestlers spread out over a very large space yeah I like these guys I thought uh, Ali um, hit really hard and uh, the was the, the flippy so you know I, I quite enjoyed them oh, pretty entertaining guys I think that was my first time seeing them. Yeah, that was, that, I think it's all of our first time seeing them. Have you seen them before? Or? Yeah. I've seen them in Ring of Honor, I feel like. I recognise the names. Mm. wasn't really sure. Yeah, they didn't They didn't <laughs> leave much of an impression because they're usually in like six minute openers or whatever. But um, yeah, they were, they were fine here. I thought I thought they were a good foil for Aussie Open who kind of had their match. You know, like they, that, they, they, they go and tour several promotions doing that match quite regularly and, you know. It worked, it popped the crowd. Yeah, it was they, a fun opener. They definitely had to win, though, at the Aussie Open because they're in the tournament. Yeah. It goes down. So. Yeah. Uh, my favourite part of this match um, was when Davis started to lay, lay in the chops really hard. Wow. Uh, we were kind of had like Volta in our eye line up in the crow's nest, mm-hmm. and uh, he was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was nice to see Volta happy, happy at uh, seeing horrible, horrible chops. <laughs> Or maybe he was laughing at how much worse they were than his. They were quite loud. They were they quite were loud. loud. They weren't quite Walter loud, but, you know, Mark Davis is, in some ways, kind of a mini Walter. Yeah. A, a recurring theme of this show is that everyone worked really snug. Yeah. And just kind of laid them strikes in because you can't really fake it with that many people, or, like, right up against the ring. So, uh, yeah, they, they all work really, really snug. Yeah, we should probably kind of cover the venue in a bit more detail. In case we've got new listeners who haven't listened to... It's a box. It's yeah. a very small box. Um, you've got maybe like, what, six foot the one side of the ring and probably not that the other side. Yeah. Uh, it's very small. Uh, so the acoustics are incredible. When somebody chops someone in there, it's just like you get a good connection on it. Like everyone was doing chops just because they knew how great it sounded. Mm-hmm. This deck kind of comes back straight off the wall straight away. Yeah. Sound. I'm a big fan of the venue. Yeah, it's very much just a really small, very, really intimate, intimate venue. Yeah, no, I like yeah. it. It reminds me of the fiction. That's probably my favourite yeah. venue. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I like the little uh, crow's nest where the, the commentator is very precarious in <laughs> turn. <laughs> was it Christian Bishop? I think it was. But he was like right on the edge, like at the edge of his chair was like right on the edge of the crow's nest and his one foot he kept dangling it over the edge and I'm like I keep looking at there thinking is he going to fall off like what if that only one of those legs of the chair had to go over and he was he was gone. flying off and gone. it was you know it wasn't an inconsiderable distance to fall yeah, was he it he got really excited he'd basically fallen onto the um, they had a load of weightlifting equipment with mm. a tarp over the top that's not going to be a nice landing no not too fun but you know he he seemed to survive he survived his life for him <laughs> i'm happy for him <laughs> uh second match uh, julian pace uh he's quick he's ace he's gonna win the race against benjamin van s uh the academy champion current uh, I'm guessing that wasn't on the line because he lost. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like it got handed over, but uh, yeah, it was. This was kind of a. This felt very much like a training match in that, like, Vaness has clearly got the somewhat basic pretty boy, don't touch my face gimmick. Mm. And he, you know, he does a solid job with it, but it's mm. not anything new that 
Uh, yeah. To be fair, I thought they did a really good job at the start of the match with him saying, don't touch me in the face, don't touch me in the face, to make that the story, like, oh, he's, mm-hmm. he's going to slap him in the face. And then they did a load of near near fall stuff where <laughs> he went to slap him and he ducked or moved out the way of it. And it was all building up to that one, like, punch to the face. And, and when it came, it was like, hey, big pop. And then, like, everything after that in the match was yeah. kind of flat. It, they probably should have just had the finish. Directly face. Yeah. Like, di- just directly follow that at least. Like that. That was clearly the climax, the peak of the, the match. S- the story had been told. Yeah. At that point. It was and like, then it kind of just kept going for a bit, and they lost the crowd a little. But I think yeah. that was, like, it was fine. For, uh, yeah. fine. I think they did a good job sending up the comedy spots, and they said they built it to a point where. Tass accidentally elbowed yeah. in, yeah, in the that face. Was good. That got a good laugh on yeah, the yeah. yeah, all of that stuff was really good, and then they just kind of went into a very sort of basic match after that, and that kind of kind of tailed off a bit. I mean, Julian Pace, obviously, at a higher level. Mm. Um, so, like, he, the stuff that he was doing was, was just far, like, superior to what Vanessa uh, was up to. WXW, in general, do a really good guy of, uh, good job of, like, tearing the guys in kind of the, the kayfabe sense, and the there's there's a definite like a bit like like in a new japan or something where there's a definite sense of like you've got some guys at the bottom level just coming out of the academy and like kind of i guess vaness is right at the top of that being the academy champion but julian pace has kind of graduated from just being an academy guy and he's he's towards the bottom of the the actual Mm -hmm. main roster and you know that that having him win here over the academy champion kind of solidified that and i imagine pace will probably have a few matches over this weekend and this this will probably be the the setup for that giving him a, a you know a, a somewhat legitimate win over a you know albeit a very low champion a champion in the company and he managed to do his entrance without running over any little old ladies so which um... was disappointing but you know <laughs> <laughs> what can you do you can't strike gold every time <laughs> Third match on this card is uh, Lufisto against Chris Wolf. Hello. Hello. Um, you like Lufisto in this match. You, you were getting really into the, the strikes that she was doing. Very meaty strikes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I've always been a big fan of uh, Lufisto. Like, occasionally, you can her movement around the ring is a bit laboured. Um, you get that every now and again. Um, but when she's on form, I think she's she's right up there with um, you know pretty much any woman on the the indie scene. I really like her style. It's 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 like a I guess comparable to a, a power junior in like a not exactly the same as a Shingo, but that came same kind of vibe. I yeah, guess. I know what you mean. Though, yeah. um, but because obviously women in general a bit smaller. She she does end up dominating a lot more of her matches. Um, yeah, Chris Wolf is very small. Yeah, though. she's yeah. like five foot nothing. Are you guys into Chris Wolf? She's very happy. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoy that. Um, yeah, to be honest, I'm not big on like her work when she's work trying to work somebody that's at a higher level, but I do like her sort of the, the matches that she has. It's just I feel like when. When she was over in Stardom, like everyone around her was capable of just, just kind of stepping up into a, a main event like mm-hmm. that, and they'd go in with like a Mayu or a you know, Shirai or someone and just go out there and have a, a really good match. And I was no, I just hadn't seen that from her. Yeah, I think she's like a she's a solid wrestler with a character's great, a character that's great and in a lot of ways can cover for her. 
Maybe not deficiencies as a wrestler, but lack of strength as a, you know, bell to bell. Um, but what you do kind of, when you put the, her up against someone like a Lefisto, who is kind of a, almost a, you know, she's got a solid character as kind of a bully. Mm-hmm. But she is, when you think of her, she's more of a pure in-ring character. So the mix there wasn't quite perfect, I don't think. A clash of style. I think, like, you saw Lefisto trying to have, like, a, you know, a star rating match at times, and that's not really what Chris Wolf is, is there for. At least at the moment. Yeah, I've always thought Chris Wolf was a good character wrestler, so like, mm. it's kind of like in that Martina sphere, but like, mm. better. This is very much supposed, the character is supposed to be like a lower mid-carder, yeah. which he was in stardom. She pretty much always took the fall and almost never won. And in that sense, I can believe her character and think it's entertaining, because you go in expecting her to take the yeah. fall. But let's say that if she was supposed to be a top player at some point. Then names then. gotten bigger. That's that's yeah. Like, so. But she still also takes the falls all the time. Yeah. Where she works, she doesn't win a lot. No. And and in that sense, I can believe it because she does her her comedy and she does it well. And she's she was very over. So and it's yeah. over. So yeah. she's probably right up there with anyone on the show for the level of overness. Yeah. So I think what she does, she does very well. That's mm-hmm. my that's fair. I think we can uh, move ahead to uh, Fred Yehai against... Yehai. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it on purpose. I'm doing it on purpose, so he didn't do that. But, um, yeah, him against <laughs> Tim Thatcher in Tim's house. And he came out to uh, uh, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Which very few of the British people were like, what are you e- everyone seems to like be really into this, but I have no idea what this is. Should I know what this is? It just didn't come out something really fun and happy. I thought it was like on the rib. And then uh, the crowd started chanting Hasselhoff, and I was like, oh, okay. It's the half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans seem to enjoy it. So. He goes in front of you in his house. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was Tim's house. We're in his uh, front, Yeah, quite front literally. Room. Um, he probably spends over half of his time living at the academy yeah. these days. That's just where, so. he's, where he's happiest. Yeah. <laughs> Chopping wood. <laughs> <laughs> just to explain that one, the, the, out the back uh, of the academy, there's like a load of uh, logs, and there's clearly been like somebody has come and like chopped up a load of it, and it's like there is firewood. And we just have this image of, of Tim getting up in the morning, taking his shirt off. Getting the axe and heading out the back and chopping up a load of logs. Getting up in the morning and taking his shirt off. Uh, yeah, I, I just imagine he sleeps. He sleeps with his shirt and then, yeah, and then takes it off, off as soon as he gets to chop, up. Chop wood. <laughs> what a man! What a man! And then goes to the shops. This match, Tim was incredibly over going in, and Yehai came kind of came in as the unknown commodity. Um, but well, he's only been over here for a couple of weeks, so he's, mm-hmm. he's only had a. A handful of matches. And it's not like he's... While he's done stuff in Evolve, Evolve isn't like the most high-profile I don't think anyone place. in that crowd watched no. yeah. Evolve. Maybe I mean, like, like a handful, but like not significant so. Yeah. Um, and he's not even there now, is he? So, um, yeah. He... <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <yes>. More shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, he's... He's a good wrestler, but... I felt the the first half of this match 
lost a lot of the momentum that the match came in with, with the the energy of Thatcher's entrance and how much the crowd loved him. Lacking dynamism, which sounds like more of an insult. I, I don't necessarily mean it as a, an insult, more of a descriptor for the type of match. It was very, yeah, it was, it was very basic, te- technical, technical match. Heavy. And it, I'm not sure that was the right match to kind of introduce Yehai to a crowd. The second half of the match picked up a lot, and the crowd got back into it. But for the first half, it, it kind of died oh, a death. With, with the academy, it's like it's such a small building that if you're going to have one of those technical matches, then that's a place to do it where everyone can see what's yeah. going on. And well, unless you stood behind uh, Big Chris Line A, he's a big lad. Um, no, I, I kind of enjoyed it. The um, uh, Yehai's did a series of power bombs in this match, and the second one was absolutely terrifying. Like, it, as, a, as a shorter person, well, wasn't on the front, yeah. wasn't on the front row or anything. So I had people in front of me. So I, I see like the first three quarters of the power bomb, but just don't see the landing. And from everything I saw, it Thatcher was gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, he, he basically just got this and just kind of lifted his shoulders up oh, as yes. he was falling down. Uh, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to demonstrate to you how he, how he landed. But yeah, he kind of lifted his shoulders up. At the very last and second. And tucked his head and landed relatively safely, considering it looked like he was going to die. It was... It looked like it was going to be a particularly nasty Ganso bomb. Mm. And, you know, I am, from from what you say, they managed to save it, but it, it was a bit touch and go. It, it was like like two feet off the ground and it was looked bad and yeah. then he saved it. But it was it was almost a power driver and then it was a power bomb. But then he went to do uh, another <laughs> one of the crowd like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it was an audible, no. stop doing that. <laughs> And then Tim decided it was time for him to stop doing it. So well. he just so yeah, he took put him his in an arm bar and tapped yeah. it out. Stop power bombing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was fine, but I'm not sure it was the right match. Like, as you said, like if you're gonna do a technical match, I think tech, very technical grapple fuck type matches fit better when um, fit better when you're in a really small, close to the ring environment. But I don't think it's the right match to do to introduce a character, which is what happened with Yehai here. Uh, maybe they're thinking that everyone had seen him because he'd been on a, a couple of the fan events. And the, I guess, I guess. So like if you watch a lot of WXW, you'd, you'd have seen him. Mm. I always kind of think of uh, Inner Circle, uh, because a lot of people, especially non-Germans, like f- people who are travelling considerable distances for WXW, um, for both 16 carat like weekend and World Tag Team League weekend, not all of them follow the promotion super closely. But WXW have got their weekends, their festivals of wrestling yeah, yeah. up to the level where, and and they do a magnificent job booking them. In that you almost don't need to be following them to get a huge job out of them. So I I I always do get the sense that there is a crowd that are at in a circle that don't necessarily follow WXW. And for that, I kind of always see it's a, chance it's a to first kind of step like, yeah, of show, like show getting them over for ahead of... Work with, like, work with LAX. B-Y- and, yeah. Uh, same, well, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're using the same example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, different names. Different names. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, that was that was the example I was thinking of. I think like, it worked with Akami as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And that's segs us right into the next match, which is Akami oh, against JFK. Be professional, seamless. Um, yeah, no, I thought they were really good, um, especially Kamatani. I thought he had a really good match. Uh, like his moves look uh, look so intense and like uh, snug. Is that word again? Um, just everything that he did, I could just feel it, and uh, I thought he had a great match. I'm behind on Big Japan, so like the last time I was up to date was probably very early this year. And um, Hashimoto, Hashimoto and Kamatani have both been two guys who, over the last few years, have kind of disappointed me because I've had a lot of hope for them, yeah. and then it's kind of. They kind of hit a level and then, if anything, dropped off a little bit. We were talking about this on the way back um, from Inner Circle, uh, myself and Mort, and we were saying that it's it's more on the booking than it is yeah. on the, the wrestlers themselves who have always been good. But this yeah. this match here, like, set a tone. It was like, yeah, the, the kind of disappointing stuff you've seen of them in uh, Big Japan, that's not what they're going to deliver here. They're, yeah. they're going hard here, and I was, I was very impressed. Amazing. And I was also impressed. They seemed to come in and understand that they were working for a foreign audience, mm-hmm. not a Japanese audience. And especially Daichi was really playing up to the crowd, which you don't always see with Japanese wrestlers that they get that part. You, you, you never know what you're going to get with a Japanese no. wrestler wrestling in Europe because they never. It's like the first time we had Ishii come over. He wasn't really sure what to do, and like he had a really soft match with the big Damo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that. <laughs> Damo was getting so annoyed with him because he wouldn't hit him. Yeah. But like these these guys are just coming and straight away they know exactly what to do. Yeah, and they look like they studied what to do and how to work the crowd because they, they must have spoken to somebody beforehand because it just. You don't just come in like that and just nail it. I saw both guys do stuff I haven't seen them do before. Mm-hmm. Because it was this crowd mm. they were in front of. But at the same time, and it's kind of a theme of a lot of this show, they they didn't do anything absolute like anything crazy. They kept stuff fairly basic-ish, getting good reactions. Like, you know, a lot a lot of the big moves in this match were like a shoulder block or a, you know, a roundhouse kick. Close line and uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a theme of this show. It's it's intimate, it's snug as you keep going back yeah. to. They're all keep saying snug. All the way through a snug, snug, snug. <laughs> it, it's all hard hitting, but they're not like they're not giving too much away because this is the small show ahead mm. of World Tag Team. This is mm. this show is the taste of what's to come. And I I think Akami as a, as a team did an excellent job in that regard. Yeah. And in all fairness, I thought JFK were really good as well. Yeah, yeah they bumped their ass up too. Yeah. That was yeah. really good. Uh, Skillet, um, as a heel, <laughs> is just... I uh, hate football. Incredibly <laughs> annoying, but also really yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is his natural habitat. Because uh, he keeps getting... Um, Andre Schurler chanted at him, um, who is a footballer who <laughs> oh. kind of looks like him, but not. If he's squint, yeah, a little. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> the hair's a little different, but you know, there's there's a resemblance there, and uh, you know. As soon as you you've heard that, you like, can't unsee you it. See it. It's like yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Looks like uh, and at one point, like it just keeps getting chanted at him, and he, he puts his hands over his ears and just screams out like, "I hate football." <laughs> Well, it was in German, but yeah, that's what I think it was. My, my GCC German coming out a little bit there. I'm not quite sure that's right, but I think that's what he said. Um, but yeah, yeah it was really it, it was the timing on everything in this match was great. There, there was not a step out of line, which I always find amazing when you're you're working with people who 
probably don't share a language. Well, yeah, language and close. culture barrier, different styles and everything. And yeah, they came together. To be honest, this is my favourite match of the night. Yeah, yeah. I think in general, like, I I am baffled at how good matches end up being between Japanese and Western wrestlers when there isn't a lot. La- like, how, how do you plan a match out without having a lot? La- a common language and yet they they consistently blow, blow it away it's amazing they, they both speak English though, can't they? Uh, I don't think Okama speaks any English no that, that's not my impression oh, I thought you said Dorchi did or was it somebody else that's not my impression that no. the other guy does okay um, so that was the, the the main event in terms of what they'd announced um, but they had a special match following that which was uh, Lucky Kid against Chris Brooks and they kind of teased it being a tag team match. Well, Lucky Kid wanted it to be a tag team match. And the, oh, that gong. The whole thing, yeah. So um, basically Chris Brooks tells Lucky Kid that it's not SmackDown and that The Undertaker isn't going to come out and they're not going to wrestle him. And That really upsets Lucky. And Lucky's so upset about it. And then they basically challenged The Undertaker and Kane to a tag team match and won by count out. And then they wrestled each other. <laughs> So they did the whole because because Chris is kind of like rolling his eyes. He's like, oh, fine, right? If how about I'll appease you by saying, well, count to ten. <sighs> if Undertaker and Kane aren't out of here by the count of ten, then you know we'll have won the match, and then we can actually get on with this singles match. Uh, where you know Lucky's like, oh, they're actually going to come out. I'm so excited. <laughs> We might be able to beat them. It'd be awesome. And it's you know, like it, they count to ten, and Lucky's like really disappointed. And you could tell this was all improv because yeah, it really kind <laughs> yes. of maybe they had like I imagine like the the initial hugs were kind of planned, but then it it rolled with the crowd, and then it was all improv. And they they get to the end of the ten count, and nothing happens. And Lucky's just been a bit sad, and they go to like start their match and then a gong hits which has clearly been improvised because the sound was way too low on it and all that someone's clearly like just googled undertaker gong played it <laughs> and it got the best reaction it was awesome it was awesome other wrestling um yeah so they did go on and have a match and it was really good um the difference here between uh i don't know if either of you saw the match i had in london like mm-hmm. was it two years ago that was like the opening match on that show. Well, October. It would have been yeah, but it wouldn't have been this year. Just gone. It would have been yeah, two thousand seventeen. Four yeah, October. Yeah, I'm sure of it. I think I was there. That. Yeah, my first WWE show. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, so that that was how much Lucky Kid has improved since that match. Because that yeah, I remember watching that match and thinking how good Lucky Kid was, and since then he's just like gone up another level. Mm-hmm. Um. And WXW obviously thinks so as well because they put him over. So they're not just going to have Brooks come over and just job for Lucky Kid for no reason. He's really good and he's destined for yeah. something big in this it's, company. It's their smaller show of the weekend, but he was both in the main event and won the main event. Yeah. And then, over somebody who he couldn't beat before. My, my thought at the end of this match, I just kind of, after he won the main event, I was like, is Lucky Kid a contender for winning 16 carat? This coming chicken carrot, like I kind of think he is. I'm not not saying he's like nailed on or anything, or he's going to be a favourite. But if they're going to continue pushing legitimate contender, like if they're going to start pulling names at the the normal roster as contenders, then why not? Which just shows how good a job 
Because he was nothing when he first came in. Yeah. Like, well, when they first started and they came in and came in cold and won the tag titles, I was like, who who's this? <laughs> like, uh, it possibly just because I was really low on uh, Tarkan Aslan's wrestling, mm-hmm. but like I didn't see anything there. And he's just, well, he's just transformed my opinion of him completely. It's, I love Lucky Kid. He's it's crazy. amazing with all the the problems Rise as a group has had to <laughs> had to face with injuries and suspensions and all that that they have managed to for all that make somebody a legitimate like top tier guy mm-hmm. from that um, from basically nothing. It's, they they've done a great job. And if uh, Demac had been healthy, I think Pete Bouncer would have uh, got made as well. Um, even though he's not that good in the I, ring, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think there's always going to be a ceiling on him until he improves in the ring. Mm-hmm. If he improves, because but his while WXW is a story-based promotion, none of their top guys can't work. Yeah, that's, that is like, true. You would like Tarkan Aslan has done solid character work, but you know he ain't going anywhere, is he? No, so. No. Like, There's definitely a ceiling on that. He's much better as a man. Tarkan Aslan's ceiling is feuding with Lucky Kid because he has the history of. Like, he's like a he's like a Yujiro to to Naito. Yujiro can always have the a big match with Naito, but he can't really have big matches with anyone else anymore. He's just got that history, and it's kind of a, a similar deal with Tarkan Aslan. Like once this feud with Lucky Kid ends, he's probably either dropping back to a manager with, where he does a good job. But he'd be fine managing uh, Mario Salani. Or will be right, just right at the bottom of the card. Not great on the mics. Yeah. <laughs> Although Mike was saying he, he, he'd been impressive recently since the turn. I haven't yeah, seen I've seen a few promos. I thought they were okay, but like the Tarkans are, are much better. Yeah. Oh, we've kind of gone off track yeah. a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah that, that was in a circle. So that's our, our first show of the weekend. I need like what, four to go. Um, uh, five. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So there's quite a lot to do. Oh, is there still a shotgun taken? Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be one shotgun XXL sort of thing. Then we could say goodbye to shotgun. Oh yeah. Not that I ever watched it. So yeah. I'm just jumping on the bandwagon. You're terrible. Look, I. Okay, so yeah, we'll we'll be back later with some interviews and and stuff, and we'll be talking about whatever shows we're at next, which is what Tag League Night One. Hello, I'm Arnold Furious. Uh, We are still here in Oberhausen. I'm with Rob. Hello. And nobody else, because everyone else is either hungover from bowling or they've gone for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're going to have a chat about the the first night of uh, Tag League, which was frankly outstanding. Uh, it was for, very good. For it was a very first good. night, right? yeah. Because yeah. normally the first night is the one where you kind of get an introduction to everyone and it. It's kind of a nice little slow build, and you might get a, like a good main event, but you don't usually get that quality. We got a good main event. We yeah. <laughs> to to have a little bit of an understatement there, yeah. but we'll get to that. Do you want to run through it sort of match by match like we did yesterday? Um, 
let's start with overarching thoughts and then we can jump back if we've missed stuff. Uh, well, I, like I said, I thought the standard was really strong. It's the fact that like after the show, we're having conversations about like, what was the best match and three different matches got pulled up as being mm-hmm. the best. So like uh, the Yearn uh, star hair match, uh, Akami and Lucha Brothers and uh, Ringkamp and CCK. So you got three matches that people thought were all in the same sort of yeah. tippy top um, tier. Those. I was having a, a talk with Mort as he was as we were walking back from the bowling because it was a, yeah, a bit of a track, and um, <laughs> he comes up to me and says, "Rob, I love the show, but what did you think? Because I know you're like the most critical of all of us. <laughs> so if you think it was good, then it must have been." I was like, "Well, yeah, I really enjoyed the show." Um, I wasn't blown away by several matches like some people were, but I I, re- I thought the main event was my favourite match. But basically, in the end, we came to the conclusion, uh, and I, I agreed with him on this, that um, the Lucha Brothers versus Okami match had the best minute of action, mm. because the first minute of that match was, like, incredible. And if they'd have kept that up, it would have been I, a match of the year contender. I tweeted right after that that it was the greatest match of all time, <laughs> like a minute in, because it really was. It, yeah, the be- the first minute was incredible, and then like the finishing stretch was brilliant. The middle tailed off a little bit, but it was still a very good match overall. Yeah, I thought the middle part was good. Um, that, that was the match I think I reacted the most for, because mm-hmm. when they did that opening sequence, which is basically like a lot of super kicks. And that was right at the beginning of the show as well, so you, weren't, you yeah. almost weren't ready Se- for it. Second it, match. The crowd just came unglued. Uh, it really set the tone as well. Uh, but I, I was just jumping up and down, but... Mm-hmm. That doesn't come across really well. On the, I basically yeah. waved my arms. He's doing the, the skulk thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. That's the match I think I'll remember the most. Uh, and probably the main event. So yeah. Just a little less. So the main event was my favourite match of the night. And I thought it was a an incredible example of the style. And I'm not usually a huge fan of the style. Like uh, you, you turned to me and said something like midway through it and I, I I hadn't thought about it before but it was actually right in that you said you don't really like violent matches and I thought about it it's like I don't dislike violent matches but violence in a match doesn't necessarily it's not enough to put it over I, I would take action over violence every day yeah and obviously it's perfect when you've got both and and this match had that but going into this match it you weren't in love with the last man standing match that they've had. I didn't like it. Um, I, I thought it borrowed a lot from uh, Gargano uh, Champa with the, yeah. the exposed ring boards and the, the having a, like a non-finish. I know why they did a non-finish because they were trying to to build to a but having a last man match. standing as a as a like a transitioning match yeah, a gimmick. I I was not keen on that. Yeah, at all, it's but, weird. But yeah. This was easily their best match. Oh, definitely. By some distance. It felt so important as well. Like, it's generally a, a major match for both guys because Star took, like, like, the biggest ass-kicking I, I think I've ever seen him take. Some of the spots he took were absolutely horrific. Uh, so he came out of it looking like a bigger uh, staff. <laughs> um <laughs> Pun accidentally. Yeah, that wasn't the intended halfway I, through. I realised halfway through the sentence what it was going to be. In, uh, um, but also, Yearn in losing didn't lose any credibility or anything. There was just a lot. Of he looked 
he looked great both in the the nerdy wrestling sense, but also just in the kayfabe sense. He looked like a, a huge threat who was bested by Star on his best day. Yeah, as it like he he didn't come away looking weak or anything. Well, Star did all manner of shit to make sure that he he didn't lose his hair. Well, he's losing his hair anyway. Like, <laughs> like not now. Didn't lose it all at once. Uh, but yeah, there's some of the stuff with the 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 wax on the chest. Yeah. That was just so... Br- I've never seen that done before no. in a match. And to the blood that was coming out of his chest room from having it waxed, uh, and then like he came off the balcony, and there was uh, the guardrail guard spot. spot, and the two power bombs into thumbtacks. Uh, it's just a brutal match. So, it, there were so many thumbtacks, and the, the first Doctor Bomb, like, and I realised to some degree at that point it's almost just not selling. It's just the real reaction. But screaming. Star sold it so well. <laughs> like he, Osprey has has kind of brought the old scream cell back into to prominence and there are several times when it doesn't work. He has toned it down a little he bit. He has. Which he's I've been told by several people that maybe it would be better. Every time too. I saw a wrestler that he knew, I was like, can you please tell Will Ospreay to stop screaming so loud? Um, but yeah, Star, like the screaming in this match is really like, it, it suited the match. And it, it wasn't overused. It, it just felt like the right reaction to what had happened. And then, like, Jörn just walks over to him, like, pulls him up and says, yeah, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> Second Doctor Bomb into the in, into the thumbtacks, and then that got an incredible reaction when he kicked out. Um, At yeah. that point, I was like, they might be over-egging it, because, like, how, where do you go from there? It was... They went right up to the brink, and then the match ended, and it was yeah. perfect. Like... If if the if Yearn had kicked out of the finish and they'd have gone and done something else, it probably would have gone into the territory of uh, you, the moves feel like they're stop stopping that they're losing some of their meaning at this point. <coughs> but yeah, it was it was magical and to like I hate walk and brawls. I'm not the biggest hardcore fan. This match had a a walk and brawl. brawl. And it was about as hardcore as you get. And yeah, I absolutely adored it. Um, yeah. I think that speaks volumes for, for the match that they put together and the, the job that they did with the storyline. Hardcore matches in general, it's so hard to balance the violence on one hand and then the pace on the other hand. If, if the pace ends up too high, then the means can, fi- the moves can feel like, you know, the big in, spots can feel yeah inconsequential. They lose their meaning. If the pace is too low and you have the violence high, then you get a lot of downtime and mm. the match loses its momentum. Or um, it's a fine line to walk, but I, I think they did a really good job of it. And it's like, very easy the walk, to the walk and brawl was a bit too long, but then they had to get yeah. from one place to another to they get to the next spot. So yeah, they had to. You know, it was it was necessary for the balcony dive. Yeah, um, and and the spot with uh, Sebastian Harmonical as well, where uh, I thought Yerm was trying to throw yeah. him over the uh, over the balcony. Because at the start of the show, um, I don't know if this is going to be on tape, but Yerm uh, kind of attacked Harmonical with. Um, the Clippers. Um, yeah, and took, like, a piece of his hair out. Before, like, um... Oh, what was his name? The the old champion who had cancer. 
uh, cast them back. Yeah. Uh, he like unplugged them to save him, so we just got the the little bit from yeah, the front. Little, little <laughs> to be fair, you can actually tell that he had it done to him. But... I walked past him really close a couple of times, and I was looking to see if I could see where the hair had come out from. You give it the hair, or <laughs> you stick hair? a little patch of hair on and then yeah. just pull it off. He sold it well. That was it. Was a fun little spot. Um, like it, the walkable was the worst part of the match, but by the end of the match, you weren't thinking of it. Yeah, because it was right near the beginning. And yeah, they did a whole bunch of really violent stuff. And it, so. it was, it felt necessary, and it didn't like really drag the match down. Um, so yeah, and pace wise, if uh, matches like these with so many big spots, a lot of the time, the downfall of them is the setup time. But I thought they managed to all the big spots. They managed to work in quite naturally without it feel like set up spot, big spot, do big spot, set up next big spot, do big spot. Like for the guardrail spot, they had like a guardrail draped over kind of the merch area and yeah, the, bow the back barricade. of the merch area and the barricade that separates the merch area off. So. And they were kind of they were fighting over the position of the barricade as they were setting it up. So it all felt quite natural. There wasn't like a I'm going to hit you a couple of times, you're going to lie down a bit where I set up the spot and then we'll fight over who takes the spot. Um, yeah, it, it was masterfully done and I loved it. It was my match of the night. It was going to take some topping for the rest of the tournament. Um, it I was... quite enjoyed the crowd being split as well and it was very much uh, the Brits and the Irish being like pro yearn and the Germans being pro star. <sighs> Typical smarky British fans cheering the heel. Classic. But I think that, <laughs> I think that really helped the match as yeah. well. It yeah. helped because with Star, sometimes the, the crowd are a little slow to respond to him, I think, mm. and it pushed them to, to actually start chanting for him like way early in the match, and that created a, kind of a dynamic in the building, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the match... Because the match was built so well, you couldn't help but root for Star. So the the Star like just, just took so stopped. Many, so many horrible. Oh yeah, he was so sympathetic by the end. Him, yeah. You just like even like before most of the big spots, his chest was already bleeding from being whacked. Black so spot. he had the sympathy of everyone. The, the staple gun to the head as well, yeah. so he was bleeding from the head. <laughs> like, you could like see, you could see Star was gimmicking the the, the staples on Yearn because like there was quite a big gap, and maybe it was just our angle because we were quite elevated. Yeah. You could see like the staple gun was like perpendicular to the top of his head, and because heads are somewhat. Spherical, obviously, so it what? wasn't touching um, his head. That wasn't the case for for Yearn doing it. He, he just seemed like he was going all in on it. Yeah, he was having a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> he enjoys dishing out some violence, especially to, it's to David. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna shave my head, then I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some in. I'm gonna get the receipts in first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that was my favourite match of the night. I thought the We've talked about the Okami match a bit, having like the best minute stretch of the night, um, and then that kind of the other match that was up there, I think, for people was the Ringkampf versus CCK match, and I think what maybe brought it down a little for me was that we saw a very similarly structured match yeah, not long ago uh, at Rev Pro 
Oh, no, I was thinking of the Aussie Open versus CCK match. Oh, so there's another one as well, then. Um, Which is, you were uh, there for that. The I wasn't at it, but I have seen it. But the I swear I was stood next to you for that. The Oh, yeah, no. If we talk about the Aussie Open match. Oh, yeah. Yes, I was, I was stood next to you there. And, like, Volta and um, Gresham had a... Like, a very similar at points spot for spot similar like story through the match as Davis and Gresham had in Red Pro, yeah, which I think very it was still good. It was I still really enjoyed the match, but like maybe if it was the first time seeing that story, yeah, I would have enjoyed it a bit more. Yeah, I, Chris Brooks is very good at putting matches together. Yeah, um, but I think yeah he has borrowed from. <clears throat> He has borrowed from other stuff that he's already done, so it's not like he's. I mean, he works so regularly, but yeah, yeah he works <laughs> like all the time. But you can always tell like his uh, fingerprints are on a match like that because it's just it just seems to flow so well. Like everything kind of makes sense. It's action, but like you can often tell a Chris Brooks match because there's kind of like a the match feels like it's got a little smirk on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, you, you've got Gresham going through all the way being, like, just, I don't know how, like, cheeky, basically. <laughs> yeah. Very, <laughs> then, very cheeky towards Bolton. Yeah, and, um, and yeah, like, Tass is, over this weekend, I've I've grown to appreciate Tass even more as, like, he's so good at working those spots into to matches. He, he did it in the the Julian Pace match in a circle where he did the, the, the elbow. Yeah. And at, at this this one, um, repeatedly, they were isolating Thatcher and then either Gresham or Brooks would come over to the corner, like, chop Volta, run away. Volta would go to get into the ring and Tass would, like, block him off. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that happened a few times. And then Brooks and Gresham double team for quite a while <coughs> and um like Tass was like one of you has to get out of the ring I'm getting quite annoyed here one of you has to get out of the ring uh, and then I, th- I think it was Brooks ran over and, and chopped Walter again and Tass went to stand in the way and then kind of looked back at them and was like they still haven't got out of the ring I'm going to let Walter get us yeah. going Brooks, uh, Brooks had Thatcher in a hole so I guess yeah. it was Gresham that went and hit uh, Walter and then Walter came in and broke up the hole <laughs> yeah, with, with extreme a, prejudice with <laughs> And, like, you could see Taz kind of, like, looking at it and was like, you know what, I'm not going to get in the way this time because you're, you're, you're breaking the rules a little bit, so I'm just going to allow this. And, like... Um, it's just a little hand gesture. Yeah, it's just like, go, go ahead. On um, and then, uh, like, Gresham just looks so upset. He was like, no, no, you're supposed to, like, stop him. You ruined the whole plan. Oh, that's not... Ah. It was it was lovely. Um, and, you know, the, the match had great action, too. Like, I don't... I don't want to like make it come across like I didn't really enjoy this. I, I probably had the yeah, I'd have this at like three and three quarters, so it's no means damning it or anything. Um, yeah, this was this was really good. Uh, my favourite spot in the match was uh, when Volta went to slam uh, Gresham, and Gresham yeah. kind of hung on like a reverse crucifix. Like, type <laughs> deal, yeah. yeah, he was trying to get him into like a. <laughs> I guess it would technically be a submission hold on somebody else, but Walter, it was just an irritation. <laughs> and he just wouldn't let go. He got the arm, like, he got the, like hooked around the arm so he couldn't slam it. Walter was doing like the whole <laughs> slam motion, but then like 
he'd let go, but Gresham would still be on him, and he kind of, like, <laughs> rolled his eyes, tried a few times, then eventually, like, goes for a breast slam, and Gresham slips out. Yeah, that was... That, that was, was really well done. That's like an example of how Gresham was in this match. I think yeah. he's outstanding. Um, that's just reminded me, and I guess it's a, a decent transition of another, not similar spot, but it was connected in my brain. Um, it was in the Aussie Open versus Team Suplex, so Jeff Cobb and... Suplex. Indeed. Um, and Angelico match. And I think, I think it was uh, Kyle... Fletcher, who had um, Angelico on his shoulders, and then Jeff Cobb just walks over and picks up um, onto his shoulders Carl Fletcher, while Carl Fletcher still has Angelico on his shoulders yeah, mid-move, and it was Fletcher's so effortless. Going for like, a, like a Death Valley driver, Samoa yeah. drop kind of setup, and then Cobb just walked over and picked them up. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like it wasn't like the Elgin does kind of a spot where you pick up two guys, but it always looks a bit forced because he's picking them up in a, a very deliberate way. He's got one on the shoulders um, yeah, and one and like a fall away slam. And Tyler Bates as well does the yeah the, the swing and the spin giant and the swing. setup always looks a bit like yeah you know what's coming. Yeah. And, but this was literally just this was spot just was happening and Jeff just came along and picked, picked them, them both <laughs> up and it, it it looked it was amazing how effortless it looked, especially as like. Fletcher's noticeably been bulking up. And, yeah. You know, he's been told to by <laughs> Tanahashi and others and stuff. So, you know, he's taking it. And, you know, he's, um, the, the mobility is 100% still there. He, he's still not like a, a big guy, but he, he doesn't look, he, he's still probably got the association in his mind with us from what he was as like the skinny guy. He's not really anymore, is no, he? No, no, he's put on a lot of weight. Um, he looks great. Like uh, Davis has dropped weight, so they're... Yeah, they're, they're, they're slowly <laughs> working towards meeting in the wet middle. It'd be really weird if one day Carl was the big one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's young enough that it could happen. But they'd have like... to swap the match around. <laughs> <laughs> or just turn into like a War Raiders style team. <laughs> um, yeah, this that was a, another fun match. I didn't think it was on the, the level of some of the other tag matches. No, it was pretty, I thought Angelico was probably the weak link in it. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of at this point. Yeah, everyone else was kind of real slick with the, what they were doing, but Angelico was just a little bit clunky with like running strikes and stuff. Like he keeps, yeah, he keeps his doing running knee. Like, yeah, he keeps doing flying knees, and I'm like, you can clearly see it's not like, where it needs to be. He kind of, I guess I'd describe it as like his flying knees feel like they're floated. Like they, yeah. they, they. Not only do they not connect because you know they're not supposed to connect, obviously, yeah. but they. They feel like they... It looks like they slow down a lot before they finish. Like, they're going fast at one point, and then, like, as he's within, like, a foot of someone, they're slowing down to a snail's pace and then stopping, like, half a foot away. Yeah. And it's like... Uh, it, uh, it, he did that it a couple of times. It could have been made worse again by our angle, because when you're elevated, I think, like, misses are always more obvious than when you're on the floor. But that doesn't necessarily completely excuse it either. Yeah, I think he's got to work on it. Um, I have issues with a couple of guys for, for doing stuff like that. Mark Andrews is another one that I feel like a lot of his spots that are supposed to be missed spots are like way out from where they need to be. Like a, uh, his opponent having to duck a clothesline that is 
way over over their head. Yeah, it was and never hitting them in the first yeah, place. Yeah, and, and things like that. Just <laughs> Which is amazing from me. someone the height of Andrew. Yeah, so. but he's actually, he swings up. Yeah. He swings up and goes over people's heads. I don't know why I've just started having a go. Like, <laughs> Andrew's in the middle of <laughs> You get the feel that, like, once he did it at his regular height and someone tried to duck and he screwed it up and ever since then he's like oh, I'm going to make 100% sure <laughs> I'm going to swing vertically um, yeah, with, with a miss spot I always feel like it has to look like it was going to be something Yeah. and quite often you're like somebody coming off the top rope and like into a choke on, slam or, or the guy on the, oh. the floor puts his foot up and you just kind of jump and like, like what were you like, trying to do there? like yeah. what move were you doing you were we, doing we a jump did, stand next to them and what and then what stamp <laughs> on them was it a super Tarkan Asla <laughs> oh that should be Tarkan's finisher he should just like <laughs> jump lean into it and stomp on someone <laughs> not like a double foot stomp jump land then stomp, stomp. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, I think it's made even worse by Angelico because his offense is quite strike based. Like with with um, with Andrews, yeah, it's mostly high flying, so it's not it's not like a big part of what he does. With Angelico, like a lot of his big moves are either kicks or knees, and they don't always look the best. Okay. So He's surprisingly tall. He is. Like, yeah. I didn't realise how tall he was until he walked past me the once, and I was like, oh, you are actually like a wrestler-sized yeah. wrestler. Because <laughs> I always thought he just looked really small because he's kind of skinny, but like he is just tall. Lanky, yeah. yeah. This is a good match, though. Like, But I, if there's one team in this tournament who I think will kind of be in the... Their match will be the least favourite match of every night, it's probably going to be Suplex, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think any of that's on, on Cobb either. No. Because Cobb's fun. Yeah. And he, he kind of gels well with people, and like his power spots always work with, with other people. In general, guys. I've never been a huge fan of Cobb's like singles work, but I think he works really well as a tag wrestler. Yeah, I think fair. in singles, singles sometimes his flow uh, it just gets, gets lost. and uh, I, I get a bit bored sometimes. Yeah, he's well suited to... The hot tag, basically. Being a house of fire, a couple of amazing double team moves where he's throwing two people around at once, throwing one person into another, throwing his partner into other people, and that sort of deal. Um, so, yeah, this is a good spot for him, but Angelico, like, just in general, his work hasn't been impressing me. I mean, he's not shite or anything, but like. No, he's. he's He's, he's fine, he's but below a lot of the yeah. other guys that we like. So. No one else in this tournament is just fine. So by by virtue of that, he he kind of stands out on the lower end. But you know, he's he's not having. You know, this wasn't a bad match. I think I would have probably had it like three and a quarter, three and a half, or something. Yeah, that's probably. And when that's the worst tournament match of the night, that was yeah. Pretty positive for the the tournament stuff. Yeah, well, that's what I'm, kind of where I was at on, on like a rating, but that's why your ratings always confuse me because like your top end is squeezed down, so it's like you have like a half a star in between <laughs> this. Like, but that there was more than that, surely. Like, especially on a show like this, like um, if it's below three stars, then I'm thinking it's at least not maybe not fully bad, but at least kind of boring or like 
Two and a half, I think, of as like an okay match, like two stars, two and a two, half. Two and a half is, is okay. my default rating. So, like, um, if I haven't paid attention to a match when I'm reviewing it, yeah, if I'm like kind of exposing my, own my attention. Here. Yeah, um, like if I had to like do something and it's a live show and I've walked away and come back. Uh, if you see that two and a half star rating, I haven't written very much. Probably yeah. didn't see the match at all. <laughs> <laughs> or saw, saw the match from a distance while doing <laughs> yeah. something else. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, this was this was fine. Um, we're missing a tag match. Uh, yeah, JFK, JFK They've had better matches. This was solid again, like uh, probably three and a half range. Yeah, I think uh, they very much came in and did the JFK are very good at heat at the moment. Yeah. Um, so they came in and did that match because they were coming off the back of uh, Akami and the Lucha Brothers, which everyone in the building loved that. So. Yeah. It was very hard to follow. Like uh, we were up behind the commentary, so uh, I don't know where he was going. Maybe get some water or something. But like Alan walked past us mm-hmm. just after that match, and he said, <laughs> "Fuck me sideways." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of a, the four-hour rating on uh, Okami and Lucha Brothers, and it was deserved. So yeah, JFK Monster Consulting though did something a lot slower, and it was fine. Oh, um, it was fine. Yeah. It, it was good. Um, just didn't stand out on this show. Kind of similar to the the other match, but in a you kind of felt that um, the Aussie Open suplex match they went out to have a great match and fell a bit short. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this match, it kind of felt like it was what it was meant to be. Did yeah. You get that sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I completely understand that. Um, like they, they, this, these two teams have gone out and had better matches in the past when put in like a, a semi-main or something. Whereas this was fairly early in the first half. Uh, yeah, I think they tried to balance the card um, by not like throwing out a bunch of four-star matches or attempts at four-star matches like one mm-hmm. after another. Um, so, like for example, like the match was uh, Mako Satomura and, and Tony Storm, and it yeah, really wasn't it was, very long. It was really short, and they kept it fairly basic. And yeah. it was. It was it was. It felt a bit like an inner circle match, and that it was a taste of a taste ahead of Femme Fatale. Yeah, it was more a come to Femme Fatale's yeah. match rather than a, a competitive contest. When you see like Tony Storm versus Mako Satomura on a card, you immediately think, "Wow, that's going to be great." They didn't try to make that that what that. No, and that's the same with the Monster Consultant yeah. tag. It was like it helped balance the cards so the highs were mm-hmm. higher, and as you kind of said, alluded to, um, having it follow Akami versus Lucha Bros, like, even if they'd have tried to have, like, an indie spot fest, well, spot fest is maybe a bit unfair, because that wasn't what the Lucha Bros Akami match was, but it was like, an indie high-paced work rate match, mm. I guess, it wouldn't have been as, it would have maybe suffered in comparison just because, you know, those four guys are less suited to a, an indie um, high work rate match than the the previous they're, match. They're, well, they're more story they definitely um, raised their standard for for the in ring yeah. um, over the last year or so. So they they are capable of having that match. With they're somebody, capable, but they don't need to. But they're better terrible. suited to like um, I'd say a narrative driven match, but I don't mean like a, a all cap story match where like the the aim is to progress a story, but more like tell a story within a match. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's their strength, like um, working over a body part and telling the match around a body part, something like that. 
Um, so what matches haven't we discussed? We this four way. Uh, the four way we haven't done. And that was I probably the low really. point. The four way. Um, yeah, so that was Julian Pace, Lucky Kid, uh, Fred Yehai, and Emil Satachi the for the shotgun title uh, number one contendership. Yeah, it was. I think it was the weakest part of the card, but at the same time, it kind of did its job. Yeah, well, I think the Julian job got was, a good pop when he won. Yeah, well, Lucky Kid was kind of the focal point of a lot of it. Um, so he, he has the best shtick of any of those guys. So like he just came out and did a, did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Hit the hit the shtick and um, and then pace one because uh, Lucky Kid's actually wrestling for GWF tonight. I think. Oh, no, okay. not, is it tonight? The, well, the he's wrestling shots. on Sunday. Yeah, he's wrestling somewhere else anyway. I knew that beforehand, so I knew <laughs> Lucky yeah. Kid wasn't winning. Um, but yeah, I kind of thought someone might turn, but I think this is fine as it is. Yeah, you had Al Arni come out beforehand and cut a promo, and though like Arn, I think you speak basically no German, and I speak minimal German. I speak very little German. Yeah, like I I, I could understand parts of the promo, but like it's a um. I'm bad enough at the language that I can't really tell if he's a good promo, but his cadence and stuff, it all seemed pretty natural. That um, seemed a lot better than, than what he has been doing. He seemed better suited to He's just a better heel. Yeah. But then I said that a year ago, mm-hmm. but I thought he'd be better off as a heel. Because, um, you know, this was the, <laughs> almost the anniversary of um, the, the big turn. Mm. Um, and I remember at the time, we were kind of, ahead of time, we were thinking, maybe Alani turns on Andy. I, I flat and out never... said that. Like, if, if you listen back to the yeah. last year's Tag League uh, podcast, I said the day before that I thought Alani was turning on. And then obviously it was the, the opposite way around. But, and, you know, it worked out brilliantly because look at what Andy's done. Unfortunately, he's uh, we, we've just read the news that he's, he's not going to be in the triple threat tomorrow. Um, he's out injured because he's too much of a legend chugging pints or something. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he got himself injured. Maybe the belt was just really heavy because he was posing with it all night. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, at the same time, this is, compared to Carrot um, title shots or last year's title, like world title shot, this was my least anticipated match. So, like... If, if um, Volta, Ilya, I don't know, Volta, Ilya, Badbones had had to be changed, well, that's a weird example because it kind of was changed into that match <laughs> at, at Carrot. It would have like that would have been a far bigger loss than what we've lost here. Um, yeah, well, I was saying that I thought it was it was going to be a bit difficult. It was going to be a bit of a clash of styles. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy they've gone a different route, but then. <laughs> It's weird because like Bobby Gunn's got himself a title shot by winning a shortcut to the top, mm-hmm. and he hasn't actually got a title shot. Well, this is going to be for the interim championship. Yeah, but if he loses that, does he then not have a title shot? Because that would be unfair, I think. Yeah, I mean, like it might be how it depends how long Andy's out for because we don't have much info. If Andy's out for like well, this seven is very new news, yeah, so we literally like. Read it. We were messaged it as we woke up, uh, which was not long ago at this point. Um, and like, so if Andy's out for like several months, they might like treat the interim champion as the champion. So then, in a way, Gunn's got a title shot, even if he lost. It was kind of a title shot against Ilya. 
we got a bit distracted there. We were talking about the four-way. Um, it was... So Alani came out early, um, ahead of the match, and you'd kind of mentioned uh, a turn happening ahead of time, uh, and that kind of put it in my head. Um, so then for the, the initial promo where Alani was saying, and, you know, I may have been mistranslating, but I think he was, uh, he started, he was kind of going person by person with the, because it was a four-way, so there was a guy in each corner, he was the centre of the ring, he cuts kind of a long promo, I putting himself over in general, and then he's like, it doesn't matter who wins, because you're just going to lose to me tomorrow anyway, come on, what have you done in, in WXW, turning to... Um, Lucky, Kid first. Lucky Kid, then Pace, and he's repeating it each time, and then Yay High, and then he turns to Satoshi and kind of looks at him and goes, eh, and then <laughs> turns <laughs> yeah. away. And then I think he said something about his physique, and like you, you guys don't have the physique of any of um, <laughs> of me. And he says it's to Lucky Kid, he says it to uh, Pace, says it to Yay High, then he turns to Satoshi, and Satoshi's there just he, like he popping his pecs, <laughs> and he, he kind of goes, showing off his abs. Eh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so that kind of, it felt like a tease of Satoshi turning, and what I maybe thought would happen is like they'd tease Satoshi turning in the match, and then maybe Yehai would turn, yeah. or Pace would turn as like kind of the, the swerve. That kind of felt like what it was going for. In the end, no one turned. Um, Lucky Kid went for a, a backspring elbow, and um, Alani hit him with a title shot on to the back on the outside, and then for yeah, the rest of the match, he was selling the back like death, um, and that kind of led to the finish, I think. Um, the roll up, so. uh, it was uh, so Lucky Kid kind of went for some, maybe a power bomb or some sort of move, and then kind of dropped down because his back was hurt, and then Julian Pace jumps in his back and did a. Um, is he doing a move on somebody else? Yeah, uh, I think Julian Pace, like... So Lucky Kid was going to do the powerbomb, kind of pushed him away, went down with his back, holding his back. Julian Pace ran in, I think, drop-kicked him, like, low-drop-kicked him. The other guy rolled out the ring, and then he jumped on Lucky Kid and did, like, a sunset flip bomb. And that was the finish. Yeah. It was, you know, it was, it was fine. Um... The beginning of the match was a bit eye-rolly, I found. Um, they were kind of doing semi-comedy stuff. Yeah, but you don't want comedy in No. So, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be the low man on that sort of thing. And then the middle of the match kind of was there. Yeah. But by the yeah. end, Julian got a good pop. He got a good reaction, which, you know, bodes well for the title shot tomorrow. Yeah, well, overall, a, a very strong show for, for like the opening night, which is traditionally the weakest. Um, mm-hmm. For that to be that strong, it yeah, like it could be in for a, it's a, usually like a great tag league weekend. Sometimes they sacrifice some match quality to set stuff up for later in the weekend. I feel and like they, they did bits they of did that. They did that with Michael and Tony for sure. Yeah. That was, like a come watch Femme Fatale's match. They did it in the four way, but at the same time, I don't think that match was ever going to be anything special, so it wasn't any great loss. And then, other than that, it was just a, a really strong show, but at the same time, it did leave stuff on the table um, 100%. 
I was actually discussing with Mort, like, in terms of people winning. Um, he was like, Akami losing that match threw me off completely because I can't see them going through with zero points. But now I'm confused because, like, they... He that was the match he thought they were going to win. He, 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 he had that as, like, a lock for them to win and then lose out from there. Because, you know, who, who knows, I guess, but neither of us thought Akami had much of a chance of making the final. I, I don't really know where they're going. No. It's, it's very hard to read. We, we kind of came to the conclusion we think Akami might go lose their first two matches and then spoil ring camps. But then we were like, uh. and I think a lot of people came in thinking JFK would make the final. But if JFK make the final, I feel like it kind of limits their opponents mm. because if, like a, a JFK versus uh, who's in the other block? I've confused the block so many times in my head already. Well, who's in the other block opposite JFK? That would yeah. be the Ring Camp CCK. Uh, yeah. So if Okami's spoiling. Um, Akami spoiling Ring Camp, which we think might be happening, um, to prevent Akami going winless, then that probably means CCK are going to the final. But there's something about CCK versus JFK that doesn't feel big enough for yeah. a tag final. After seeing that first uh, match, uh, well, the first series of matches, I can totally see Monster Consulting uh, going to the final. Because no, yeah. like no team has ever like retained. But again, does Monster Consulting versus CCK feel right? Um, Mo- would, either of those I teams. Would into that. I would be into it, but it. I don't know. There's something about the. Me and Mort were discussing it again, and like something doesn't quite feel right about it. it doesn't quite feel big in the way that like. Ringkampf versus Monster Consulting, that feels like a tag league final. Ringkampf versus JFK feels like a tag mm. league final. CCK versus... Um, if Ringkampf hadn't, hadn't won it last year, then I would just be mm-hmm. absolutely certain they were winning it. Yeah. I mean, maybe they are just going back to back. And But I don't, I feel like Ringkampf probably aren't making the final. Um, I've got it in my head that like Tim Thatcher is... He's going to have some singles, big singles matches. It feels up. like it. If <clears throat> we we're, were kind of discussing this with, oh, I can't remember who it was. It was some Germans um, some the other Germans. day. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them in Germany. Yeah, um, full of them. And although in Oberhausen at the moment it feels like half the people are English and Irish. So, um, but what was I going? Oh yeah, we were kind of talking of like who would be winning the triple threat. And we, I think we both kind of thought Andy would retain. Yeah, um, which he has. He's retained. He knows where way, the stones yes. are. Yeah. Um, and that, oh, it could be a, it could be a fake injury. I don't think so. But like with that promo, it would kind of make sense. Right? Yeah. Like, a, an old veteran move, make them think you're not going to be in the match, and then, I don't well, know, don't... turn up midway through and join the match at a bit yeah. of pressure or something silly like that. I mean, but... I don't like the idea of a fake injury, but at the same time... It, it would, would fit the Andy character. It would be in character, because he's a dick, and... It would explain the 
How's he got injured? How's he got injured doing nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from smashing pints at the bar. And uh, eating at the same place as us. Um, but yeah, kind of going back to where we're going, we kind of thought the the direction would be Andy retains, Bobby Guns and Ilya spin off into a singles feud mm. because Ilya needs something to do kind of away from the title. And then we were like, I think one of the Germans asked, well, then who does Andy face? And we both kind of answered, yeah, Thatcher. Thatcher. Thatcher's the logical logical <clears throat> route there. Um, he's entirely over enough for a, a world title program in, in WXW. Uh, and my kind of view was either Thatcher would be the one to dethrone him, or if not, then Thatcher losing by devious means leads perfectly into a Volta program an anti-Volta program which is you know those two have got a lot of history from what like four plus years back but they haven't faced much recently if at all I can't think of and that feels like a world title program that would make a lot of sense eventually (coughs) and the the Thatcher match could make a lot of sense there which is a very roundabout way of saying we think Thatcher's going into a more singles route so we don't think he's going to be Thank at God. minimum, winning. Yeah. <coughs> he could still make the final, and Akami could beat CCK. Well, uh, let's just see what happens with that. Yeah. Like there'll be more speculation after night two, so mm-hmm. we'll be doing this again tomorrow, and things will drop more into place. Yeah. Uh, but in general, you guys mentioned this a bit on the preview, but I want to like harp on it a bit. Even before tonight, I think WXW have booked a. I remember talking about Super Strong Style a couple of years ago, maybe, it might have been this year, I don't know. Um, no, I think it was the year Travis Banks won it, Yeah. Um, and sure. we were talking um, about, and it's a slightly different dynamic, being a knockout tournament compared to a league, but we're talking to like, it doesn't feel like there's many people who can win this, and it makes it feel quite predictable, whereas there's a, there's a case for like, you could probably make a case for every team, and... You like, can make six strong cases for teams winning, or maybe five if you're taking out Rinkamp. But I, you, I think I, you probably still could make a strong case for Rinkamp winning, even though I probably don't think it's happening. Well, but, I can't see. I can't, so I can't see Akali winning. Right. And I can't see Team Six winning. Yeah, those are the two I was thinking of. You can't really make a case for every other team. It feels possible. Probably not Lucha Brothers. Probably not, but you could 100 percent see them in the final. Yeah, because it, it would feel like a big deal. Yeah. So. Like, you can't see them winning because of the tag titles that's associated with it. I think would be the reason in my head, because they're not going to be around enough to defend them. Right? Yeah. And also, kind of, in recent years, WXW, because their core roster, the domestic roster, has got so strong, the winners of these tournaments have been... Guys who are around regularly. Yeah, deservedly, obviously. But, yeah. Um, but, you know, you look back historically, you've had a lot of imports win these big competition, uh, big tournaments, so it's not out of the question that um, an outsider team wins. Yeah, well, I'd be interested to see where they go with it, because, like you said, there's a lot of potential winners here, which is, I don't remember the last time I saw any tournament where I could make a case for, like, over half the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Um, I think the most in, I mean, like, even with, like, G1, you're looking at maybe four people at the most that yeah. I thought might win it. So, 
Maybe stuff like like a bowler because like it's a less structured promotion kind of yeah. in that like that's, that's and because they're bringing in super names, lots there's lots a lot of people who can win. But then at the same time, it's almost always a regular. And because especially in recent times, bowler has been like a we're bringing in guys from all over the world. A lot of people who we don't usually use. To be fair, I don't actually remember who won bowler this year, but. Um, uh, it would be a spoiler for anyone that isn't getting the the if you're ordering like the DVDs. Good and point. It would technically be a spoiler. So we so won't you're say. Not going to say. Um, but ignoring this year because I don't know who's won. Um, <laughs> before that, it's always been like a, a Ricochet who's there all the time, or Kyle O'Reilly who's there all the time, or Zach who's there all the time. It's not going to be like um, an Ilya this year. Unless it was, I don't know. Um, I don't think it would have been. No, um, like a guy who's they're they're like big draw in that like he's never been there before, and they brought him in first time for a bowler. Where so may, maybe even more higher percentage of the field could win here than even a bowler. So yeah, it's it's uh, props to them. Way off the beaten track here, Rob. Yeah, um, we need to go and get some lunch. This is very true. Tiles, so. Uh, we're Let's off here. Call that a day. That was night one. It was really good. Uh, we're fired up for Femphetals and night two. And props to uh, the Morton Mark connection for winning the Oberhausen Open. Yes, well done, lads. In a bit. Hey, future Rob here. Um, the next section was recorded straight after Femmes Fatales in the WXW Media Centre. Unfortunately, um, that takes place very close to the WXW practice ring where some of the guys were laying out some of their matches, so the audio quality isn't brilliant. It's actually worse than I thought it would be at the time. Uh, I've done kind of what I can with it, but it, yeah, it's not great. Um, so, if it's unbearable for you, just skip ahead 20 minutes and you'll go straight into the World Tag Team League Night 2 discussion. We've just been to Camp Patals, uh, so we're going to talk about it. I'm with Rob, again. Still me. Still Rob. And we've got a special guest with us, uh, second in this year's Euro draft, Lee Malara. Painfully close. <laughs> so close, so you close. You only missed out by a couple of votes. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Plus, One of them was Arns, though, so uh, I also did vote makes for it myself. a bit weird. <laughs> I, I did vote for Lee as well, so can't come off that. Um, I'm not going to gloat, I've already, I did my gloating last week. <laughs> Uh, so we, we just, some of it actually made the podcast. Yeah, a lot of it did stuff. So I went for about fifteen minutes. Um, <laughs> Only so, a slight exaggeration. <laughs> but no, it really wasn't quite long. Um, so Femfetal, we were really excited about this on paper. Um, the first round matches all looked pretty strong. Uh, so we're going to just kind of go through and like uh, chat about it. Uh, we're actually recording this in the uh, media center. We're actually using it for its uh, intended purpose. And there's, there's like four podcasts. Um, so the first match on the show, this is a hell of a way to start now. Like I said tomorrow, this is best. I thought, I was a bit conflicted by this because when I first watched it, I came in with super high hopes because 
Lesnar is someone who has had a hundred percent hit rate with me <laughs> in like I've only seen her in like four matches. Yeah, or but I've loved all of yeah. them. So and you pair with Maker Setamura, who has a very reasonable shout for being the best women's wrestler of all time. Like yeah. that's not an outlandish take. Um, she's in a lot more top five wrestlers in the world, regardless yeah. of like, gender. So when you pair those two factors, expectations are, you know, I guess, understandably going to be sky high. So I was maybe a tad disappointed, but then it came to the end of the first round matches, and I was like, no, that was the best of them, still, and it was it was very good. I it just wasn't it's it wasn't great. Expectations for it were so high. I've written a chair that I felt it was cynical and scrappy at the same time. That's kind of what you get from Vesna, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like she, was, she brings a rough edge, but you always feel like she's completely in control. Yeah. But that's, that's basically how I felt about it. It was actually my first time to see Vesna in person, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, fairly hard hitting. Um, Miko is Miko. I, mean, I saw her for the first time in person last week at OTT. And see her again, and just I, I actually quite enjoyed it. I'd be more the opposite of Rob, but that was quite enjoyable. No, I, I don't get it wrong, I did enjoy it. I just, uh, I'm just very grumpy and, uh, and had high expectations, which is yeah, just fair enough, I think. His natural state is grumpy, so that was virtually impossible. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was some really good stuff in this. I like uh, Mako bringing the fighting spirit and popping back up after that, that big juice. I was actually writing down, like, it's a nice instrument packed match. Uh, I looked up the Mako going for taking this big boot down. Yeah, right. <laughs> for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, the podcast, but I did a, I did a, a full fire up face. <laughs> And I really like uh, Bresner doing um, like a big uh, backsplash because Mako's like made of muscle, so she can take spots. So she just threw herself straight into it and kind of came down with all the right bounce off. Like I said, very good though. Very good uh, open match, best match in the first round. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, we've got um, next match is Boy from Hungary against uh, Lily McKenzie. And during this match, uh, uh, Gary, uh, Irish Gary, um, yeah. said that uh, Millie had not actually won a match in WXW before this one. Like she hasn't been there too. Long. I know she hasn't wrestled very much, but I was I had probably thinking about it. I don't think she has. Um, but she has now because she beat Audrey uh, Bride in this one. Um, Bride's somebody who has been on my uh, radar ever since we the first year of that because we were really short on, on European Marines to talk about. And I went looking for somebody else that's obscure. Yeah. yeah, so I watched her some of her parents a few years ago. And I just thought she was too. For that three years ago. Yeah, but she's a lot better now, and um, it's really pleasing to see that uh, she's been given like an opportunity, mm-hmm. like after going out of her way to improve herself. And it's the same with um, uh, with Killer Kelly, kind of you can get uh, yeah. somebody from a smaller market, moving into a bigger one, like um, yeah, being pushed in a smaller one, moving into a, a larger one, and get a chance to kind of match up with more experienced and um, better wrestlers. Um, I, th- I, thought did, um, I thought she did a decent job. I thought the Killy Kelly comparison was very apt because it did have the feel of, especially seeing Kelly again in this tournament for the second time, uh, yeah. it had the feel of 
she's but Kelly Kelly is her a year on. Yeah. And that's, you know, the direction she could take. Yeah. So she really throws herself into it. She throws herself into it. into it. And, you know, she has to get fortunate in that, you know, WXW have featured Kelly quite heavily yeah. over the last year. Yeah, well, Kelly moved here, so yeah. it's, it's kind of a bit different. If the Fortune wanted to, she didn't get to it. This was my first time seeing Audrey. Um, and, you know, I was impressed but you could also tell why this was her first time in a on a big stage because there were there were little things like she she moved around the ring quite tentatively i thought yeah, yeah. like she, um she was much worse than her three years ago so yeah. she has improved a lot so that gives me confidence that she's gonna keep going but little things like her being whipped into the bottle she'd like run and then slow down before like a lot yeah. before making contact yeah. and then kind of just Stand next to the buckle and lean on it <laughs> instead of hitting it, that sort of thing. But there was a, a DDT she did which seemed to be almost in slow motion. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, look, like you say, if she's only breaking out now in, into bigger places, you can see that there is potential there. I mean, she does come from hungry, which is not exactly a massive wrestling. It's quite might be slightly better than the bridge, but um, yeah, she's not really had uh, a lot of opportunities so far. It's nice to see a good chance. I thought Millie was really good. She's always really yeah. Good. It's 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 funny that someone as young as Millie and you know, in terms of matches, she's probably had more matches than all three. But no, in terms of time spent, she's way more. Only with a those. I love the fact that she's now starting to get international exposure because she's yeah. school, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy, isn't it? It is. But yeah, like we, like she's got booked to send our girls in Japan, but she probably could have got booked for a Japanese last year. Yeah, she was <laughs> But like, uh, reasonably, we probably should be speaking about Millie the same way we talk about Bri, but she's just such a, an amazing, like, super rookie or whatever that she's she's way past that level of talk already. Yeah, I think this is very much down to Travis Banks. He spent a lot of time with her. Yeah. He's made sure that she's ready for any match that she goes into. Because uh, he, he's doing uh, agent work for Progress while he's been out injured, so he's very good at laying out matches and stuff, and making sure that you don't show weakness and that you accentuate your strengths. And uh, that's very apparent, like you were like, maybe not uh, not for himself. He's good at yeah. doing it for other people. Like, it might be one of those things where he's a wrestler. But I think he's a very good wrestler, yeah. but he's a very very good trainer. It might be one of those things where it's it's easier to see like weaknesses in other people like like when you're yeah. when you're writing a piece for yourself it's hard to spot your own spelling mistakes yeah. <laughs> someone else reads it and just goes yeah how did you miss that how did you miss that that sort of thing uh, but yeah this was this was good um, I was a bit confused because like she she's dressed and her Titan Tron is very Kill Bill right mm-hmm. and yet she doesn't wrestle she, like that didn't seem to be the gimmick when she was wrestling. Yeah, it's just the look. Which is yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a, a weird mixed message. Um, but to be fair to her, we, we we've been quite critical, constructively critical, I think here. But she did a very good job of getting the crowd to hate her. Yeah. And that's yeah. you know. She was the first person to go hit. It's not the first match she's been throwing some nice hands. Yeah. And then uh, like, not the first definitive heel on the show, and the only one of two. Like, uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so, moving on, uh, next match Killer Kelly against uh, Chris Wolf. Um, critical Chris Wolf, um, what we were talking about yesterday. Um, but I thought she was better here. Like, it was, um, it was kind of a mixture of shtick and black work and your character blended into the match a bit better than, than she was. Yeah, I, I thought it was better. I think um, Kelly stylistically was a better fit of the opponent than the fist Yeah, um, yeah. But I don't think the, <laughs> the gimmick's ever going to be fully for me. But again, she was very over, so... Yeah, I enjoy Chris Wolf's gimmick. I think it's very fun. I think you can't help but smile when yeah. you see her. We're saying uh, that we like the character a lot. Mm. We don't so much like the matches. That, um, I think that's fair, yeah. Um, this is better than... I, I thought this was, this was a good match, though. I did, but I think, uh, like Rob says, Kelly was a good fit. Um, so this is a I really enjoyed... Uh, Chris Wolf did like a double springboard. And... Very fun. Yeah, very fun. Uh, and that kind of caught me a bit. By surprise, I remember seeing that. Yeah. She might have done it. I don't know. I don't know. That's why I have notes. I've got notes on it. Um, yeah, I don't really have an awful lot else to say about that, except that um, Killer Kelly, like, I did WXD exactly a year ago at this time. And we said at the time that she had a lot of potential, but she needed to, like, round it out. I thought she's done a very good job of improving on the basics. And bringing that up to the level that her character was at a year ago, so I think she's, she's better rounded now. Yeah. Uh, been, been wrestling in a lot more places, and uh, like I said, the, the Dirty Bride. You moved to a, uh, into a bigger territory, if you like, uh, journey, and you get the chance to work with better wrestlers. You work more regularly as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's helped her a lot, an awful lot. She's probably been training for all the time in the, the academy, so. Yeah, she looked a lot better than a year ago. We liked her a year ago. Last year it was, oh, this, this person's got potential and they could be good. Now it's, this person's good and who knows, in a couple of years they might be great. Yeah, we're not sure what the ceiling is for Kelly. I think she's still very young. It's not a very way that we're talking about her and she might actually be a shot. So, moving on. Uh, the last uh, first round match was Luther uh, Stone and uh, Tony Stone. Um, I kind of hated this match uh, because I hate any match where the whole point of it is uh, like working a body part. Uh, and Luther uh, Stone worked over Tony Stone's leg for a good half of the match, if not more than that, and interspersed. With the leg work, there were various comebacks where Tony would like, flip over her and boot on the impression, landed heavily on her feet from the ropes, and there were no other effects. And that's just not the matter. And I know a lot of very popular and famous wrestlers do this, but it still doesn't make it right. I just didn't do it. Yeah, it's not the most apparent of stories for sure. And then it wasn't helped by the, the finish being what it was. Like, you had a Melanie Gray. It wasn't even a good distraction finish. She seemed very confused. Yeah, she passed the belt to Tony, and then Tony kind of looked at it weirdly, put it on the floor, and then, like, there was an awkward pause for a bit, and then. Did she say, like, you're the champion of. Or it was, it was very strange. Um, it, 
like if you're going to do a distraction finish in the first round of the tournament and you're not going to do any else then I can live with that but this wasn't even a good distraction finish was it although the um, the burning driver that Lufisto won the match with was crazy good that was the one highlight of the match their spot work was fine but I just didn't enjoy it as part of the yeah. overarching uh, story of the match, which was about the network, which didn't go. Yeah, um, Except when she kept, she kept going back to it to kind of draw attention to it. Like, well, don't forget you like to phone. Tony never actually him. sold him. Yeah, yeah. She just kept humbling and rolling. Yeah, kept Ibushi in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't like that. Yeah, no, I have nothing to add to that. Um, the running, running hammer, running driver, which I thought was definitely the highlight match. Yeah, because it, it was like. I think it looks even better than most most burning hammers that Kabashi doesn't do because when, when it happens on the indies they usually it's basically a, like a reversed attitude adjustment right they, yeah. they land flat yeah. whereas Kabashi you would always land kind of uh, somewhat vertical <laughs> and that would be the, the awesome part of it whereas um, because Mephisto is quite short she kind of tips them but then drops them rather than flipping them it's kind of hard to describe in audio but you, you land on your shoulders sounds rather like than, a brain buster yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like a proper bump on the face instead of either like something incredibly dangerous or something yeah. overly safe and it looks incredibly nasty but then when you kind of think about it it's kind of just, just the same as a power bomb really but it looks awesome yeah um, and it wasn't even our most vicious finish of the day no. <laughs> the other one I wasn't quite sure was we'll get to that. was uh, as clean as uh, intended yeah. but looked equally nasty if not more uh, so after that we move on to the, the semi-final match and uh, yes, I think it was uh, the first time for me, McKenzie and, and Michael Satomura, I think, was my favourite match of the night. That afternoon, rather shall I say, it's still great. Right, um, I would probably just give the edge to the main event, but I thought it was close between the two. Yeah, I don't know, I really, we'll get to the main event, but I have issues with it, whereas I don't really have a lot in the way of issues with this one. Um, yeah, I think I'd go with Rob. I think the, the final kind of edge to just just barely, but um, this was a great match as well. Both very strong. Yeah, it was. I was like, um, this is pointed out to me by uh, Jao, who was stood next to me. And said, like, every time Millie gets fired up, she tightens her and The old Bailey thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that's when she's getting serious, when she tightens the top knot. It's, uh, it's really business. I kind of enjoyed that. I can understand if you did like a couple of the spots because there was a really, really iffy diamond cutter in this, mm. which um, Johnny stood behind me and said, What the fuck was the diamond cutter? It was a modified cutter. <laughs> modified by accident. Yeah, yeah it, I think Mako wasn't aware of what the spot was until it started happening, and I was like, I better take a bunch <laughs> Not quite the old uh, Jinder Mahal where it <laughs> completely yeah. misses and then he decides to bump. She was, was, she was really was, quick about realising what yeah, yeah. It, it was clearly halfway through the move. She was like, oh, I haven't bumped right for this. Let's <laughs> jump into it and see if I can save her. And she kind of did, but not really. In the hands of a less talented and less experienced wrestler, that could just look uh, Yeah, it would look up. Uh, yeah, she kind of saved it. So, uh, a lot of credit to my friend. Um... I want to talk about the um, uh, the did an arm drag straight into the STF, yeah. which I think was the best 
piece of technical wrestling, so you know, from the entire show, it was beautiful piece of technical wrestling. And um, that SCF was kind of the focus. I don't know why she wanted to have a tap out. I think it's kind of like a, if she's coming to Sendai Girls, it's like a, I'm, I'm the boss of the team in Sendai Girls, and I'm stretching to teach you that um, that's the, the backing order of things. Yeah, because she hit her with the DVD that yeah. she had used in the first round to get the win. And then I thought she was gone for the Scorpion Royce, and yeah. Shake, she did a little shake of the fingers, yeah. and then she went back to the SDF. And made it tap. Yeah, so. So I think she's making a statement there regarding possibly the Sendai girls involvement. I won't labour the point too much because we kind of already covered it in the first match, uh, her first round match, but it's amazing how how much it looked like Millie fitted here, mm-hmm. considering her age, her experience level, in there with one of the greatest wrestlers <laughs> <laughs> in the world, and she looked very comfortable and at home really there's a 20 year age gap in between and there's Most a lot like of miles on yeah, yeah there's a lot of miles on my coach clock and, but it just it felt like a very competitive and compelling match and uh, yeah I, I really enjoyed it yeah it's very good uh, the other semi-final was Visto and Caleb Kelly the Visto again for me is a very pronounced feel to try and She's got a hell of a presence. Yeah. Well, the first time. Yeah. yeah I, I don't think I've ever seen a wrestler with a bag of clothes. So I don't think I've ever seen a bag of clothes. I don't watch a lot of American I've seen, I think I've seen her work like. Not, she wasn't against the heel, it was kind of like a. Two. There were no clear heel-face yeah, dynamic, and it was just two. Uh, I think it was her versus Jordan Grace or something. It was just like a hot fight, basically. Um, but yeah, she she is made for the heel. We, we, I forgot to, to mention it, but I enjoyed it in her first round match when there was a little girl cheering for her, and she just right. So everyone's cheering for uh, yes, everyone was cheering for Tony Storm, and she like tells them all to shut up, and then uh, a few little girls in the front row. Start chanting for her, and then she looks at them and tells them to shut up too. <laughs> that was a lovely moment. But yeah, this this match kind of. I think in this match and the final, even though I am a big fan of Lufisto and I thought she she was very strong this uh, this show, you did also see her her slight weaknesses, being that I think her offense looks incredible. But I think sometimes on the defense, it's not quite as good as you'd like. Like, um, for example, a lot of the time, both here and in the final, she'd take like a, a big kick, she'd take a bump, go mm. down, and then jump straight, go straight, pop straight back up, but then go kind of go wobbly legged mm. and sell wobbly legged. And I just thought that was a bit of a weird. Like, if you're gonna go down and then pop straight back up. You shouldn't really be groggy, kind of. Logic like it was a, it. It like, just. I'm gonna pop back up. Hold on, hang on. Yeah, but it, I don't think that was it though. No, it, I, th- I think she was too quick to get back up, and um, it felt like she was jumping to feed. Wasn't yeah, it? and Miko wasn't ready. Um, and that happened a few times in this match as well. But um, but it was. <laughs> That grunting noise in the background is all women that have just done this show uh, doing a photo of <laughs> behind us. <laughs> so, 
so if you go slightly quieter, you will know why, <laughs> especially when we're getting critical. Push tones. Um, but again, I thought I didn't think it was on the level of the semi final, but I did enjoy this. Um, this is the semi final. The other semi final. Did I? Oh, oh, the other, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really point that much. Stay I, I really like the finish. Um, they, were, they were hard hitting, but it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. I think it was ju- just a match. Yeah, it was fine. There was nothing. I didn't find anything particular. But, um, apart from the finish, I don't really remember much that happened. Well, the finish like was pretty cool. Like spots in there. Yeah, that happened. But, yeah, the, the burning bomb finish. Uh, was quite fun. <laughs> I thought she dropped it like. Yeah, it, it, it looked really weird. It was like like she was going for the the tiger driver, and somehow Kelly didn't talk or something. It was yeah, she was very light getting into yeah. that position for the bump, and then, yeah, it looked pretty vicious. So after that, um, we had the women's title match, which. When we previewed it, I said this is basically just a buffer match uh, to give everyone a break before the main event. Um, but yeah, Melanie Gray and, and Martina went out there and completely exceeded my expectations uh, quite comfortably and then some. And, and had a, a really good little match as a like a semi main event, which I just wasn't expecting. They, they jumped really well together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the best singles match I've ever seen Martina have. I saw her one with Ginny that I really loved, but um, this might actually be better. I, I think she's been improving like the last couple of months when we've seen her. Yeah. And she's been, yeah, all of a slowly getting better. I yeah. think she's taken the criticism of it personally um, that she was told that she wasn't. She was a very niche actor. She, but she's actually got her got out, got some gear, and she looks better. Yeah, she does. Uh, and I feel a bit guilty about the ragdoll of the whole road drive. Maybe we can't give Ali any stick anymore. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, we still can. Because when he picked her, she was brilliant. I think she, for a while she was improving, and then it seemed like she stagnated for quite a long oh, time. Oh yeah, for at least a year. And more longer. now, if she's, she's back, on the, back on the back on the road upwards, then how's it not? Um, it still had some issues, but uh, not as many as I thought people. So. I thought the the springboard co-breaker was a real highlight. Yeah, yeah. Sesh breaker even. I think it was me, me that christened that name, yeah. I don't know that there. Yeah, it's, that's what it's supposed to be called. Such a break, yeah. This is before I was born. I forgot about that. I think when you were friends. Also, um, uh, Melanie Dragon Day sent on the apron in this yeah. match that um, I was next to Mort, and Mort just completely freaked out as well. Did somebody just land on their head? Because it just made a horrible noise when she landed. Well, I was stood behind Kelly, and Kelly had the exact same reaction. <laughs> she started like, jumping up and down, like, and grabbing, I can't remember who was next to her, it might have been, might have been Andy. Uh, <laughs> just grabbing Andy, like, oh, she okay, she okay. It was. Uh, it sounded pretty bad from where we were. Especially on the balcony, you yeah, couldn't yeah. fully see it. You just yeah, but you, she kind of just disappeared from where we were. Yeah, sitting. we couldn't see because of the front row right in front of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So you could just you could see like about three, four feet off the ground, and, that, and then she disappeared. In yeah. Front. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, it was kind of a sad time. But, um, 
Yeah, no, a really, really good showing from, from our team. I didn't yeah. expect that. Uh, good showing from Melanie Gray. And, uh, Definitely overseeing the expectations. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she retained with the Clover League. Um, that is a match where they could have done some like work to set the finish and didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, between them, they, uh, between they told them, a like, coherent yeah, story. They, they had a hell of a match between them. <laughs> Because the, the whole legwork section of that new Crystal Candy Storm match it was, well done. was really was well done. And then there was no second phase to it. It just went like, here's a load of uh, legwork and nothing. Like, so, okay, why was that a part of the match? Yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. Um, so we've really got the final to talk about now. Microsoft Mora against Fisto. Um, it sounds like you weren't a big fan of this I, match, whereas me and Lee were. I wouldn't be because it was very walk, they did, but the walk and ball and kind of went all over the building. Yeah, that was again the least favorite, my least favorite part of it. But I thought when they got back in the ring, um, I thought just the, the sh- how good both these women's offense looks just carried it. Like mm-hmm. um, again, I had the, a similar issue with some of Fisto's, uh, I guess, feeding um, in that she would. I think Lee put it well in that it looked like she was popping up too quickly and then had to stall. Yeah. And it, it just didn't flow naturally. No, to it me. didn't. It, it seemed to kind of troll Mako off as well. Um, she, she just kind of I saw at least once when Mako just kind of stopped. Yeah. Like that. And <laughs> kind of yeah. stood to start. But you don't see it do that very often. So. But especially once they get to, got towards the finishing stretch, I thought this was really understandable. And I know. You, you were saying that the walk and brawl, they were actually right over by us, yeah. so I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> it's sometimes um, nice when you can see it, isn't it? Yeah, when, when you can see it, I think it, it kind of works, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think um, Lufisto's early or in the previous rounds kind of yeah. fed into the final, so she felt like a threat from mm-hmm. Michael. Yeah. So it kind of all, it, it, the way it turned matured, it progressed, and you felt like either one could win it. And just the way she'd won her previous matches where like two different moves mm. and not and each move kind of on its own like it, it, it gave the feel that out of nowhere she can win she hits one big move and she's got an array of them yeah. that, and that's it so it, it kind of and, and she did tease both of the moves she won in, in the previous match but, uh, but Michael managed to uh, escape out of them I know Alan, Alan Farrell was talking to us at intermission yeah. and said uh, She's already done a uh, burning hammer, uh, Gonzo Bomb. God knows what she's going to do in the final. <laughs> so I, I do think that kind of fed into it all and made it really enjoyable. My, my favourite uh, moment in the match was um, when they were doing the brawl right in front of us mm. and we all scurried to get out of the way and Mort was looking at his phone, <laughs> and looked up, saw that everyone had moved and that they were coming towards him and walked straight into the post. <laughs> <laughs> and that is like, directly in line with the camera as well. So that's, oh, that's, that's going, going to be, be going to be gift. It's going to be on the VOD. I'm, I'm going to gift it. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Marks. Yeah, that's what he gets for winning the bowling. He's, um, he's very prepared for this to happen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. Uh, he isn't sure how stupid it looks, but um, <laughs> rest assured it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I. Um, Speaking of Alan Forel, um, but similar, kind of, yeah. pretty much the same conversation. He was talking about Maiko saying, "I really hope we get to see the Scorpio Rising," and we got it in this match. Oh. It was it was wonderful, and the the best bit for me, and you'll be able to hear this on the DVD, is since I was uh, up on the balcony near where they were doing commentary, Alan went crazy when it was hit. That's uh, 
it's going to be something to, to watch the, the VOD for, for the reaction. And she killed Lufisto with that kick. She landed that probably well, I think uh, part, uh, part of the reason why it landed so heavy is because uh, like her arm moved a little bit and she stepped on her, her arm to set it up. Yeah, and her, her arm just kind of slipped off her leg, I think, with a bit of sweat or something. And so Merkel kind of slipped down a little yeah. bit and, and just right, on, board, yeah. right on the top of the dial. <laughs> so, yeah. Unfortunate timing on that one, but, <laughs> but it looks great, don't yeah. yeah. <laughs> it? Was and, uh, yeah, it's probably one of those things where they both have an understanding that they both work mm. very, as you kept saying the other day, snug. snug. Yeah. Um, and, and this was exactly that. Yeah, I thought this was a, a really good final and climaxed the tournament very well. Um, Maiko ended up. I think most of us agreed going in that she was a very likely finalist, and, but by the end of the tournament, she 100% felt like the right winner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which you know, on a on a single single show tournament, that's kind of what you want. You want things to feel like they're building, which they did. Lefisto mm-hmm. went from someone who was you know somewhat established to by the end, she felt like a huge threat. Or, yeah. And Michael went from someone who was like. She's a legend, and you expect her in the final two. No, this tournament is about her, and she is the right winner, and she won. So it, it was very satisfying in that regard. Yeah, I, I think it was a perfectly booked tournament. I think, it, I mean, not every match was great, but I think it all just built and built and built. Yeah, and the overarching story. Yeah, 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 they worked. Did a very good job of doing like the advertisers, uh, like the story over the entire thing, mm. as opposed to just. A series of good matches. Yeah, so they did that very well. How would you compare it to last year's? Did you, did you get to watch last year's league? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too many shows. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, a year, a year ago. ago. So yeah, <laughs> well, I preferred um, the Tony Wesner match yeah, I, last year. As well, I was going to say, I thought the Tony Storm Wesner match was top anything from this year's show, but I thought overall as a show it was far more consistent. The quality of talent this year is way higher. Yeah. And it's not just because they've got better people than it's because the people that are in here have gotten better over the last year, yeah. especially Kevin Kelly's gone so much better. Yeah, you're replacing people like um, Viper with Mike Setamora. So. <laughs> That's a bit of an upgrade, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah I'm very happy Mike won too when she's going back. So, yeah, mm. she's going to get some more chances too. If Melanie Gray still has the belt and uh, she gets a title shot, that'll be an interesting match. I can't quite envision how they'd. I can see how that goes because Melanie Gray does a lot of underhanded stuff. She's not a bad definition, so I can see how that would play out. And, you know, if anyone can leave someone for a match, it's going to be Satomura. Yeah, she's just had hundreds of years of teaching hundreds of rookies how to wrestle. And so. if it goes wrong, she'll just drop kick her in the face <laughs> to break her uh, nose. Oh. Do a low key and rip an ear off. Anyway, uh, that was Tom Tiles. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the right way to end it. We'll be back to talk about uh, night two of uh, the Bixby Team League. Uh, presumably tonight or possibly tomorrow. Uh, you'll be able to tell based on how drunk I am. <laughs> and how tired we sound. <laughs> and how bad my voice sounds. It is the after party tonight, after all. Uh-huh. Mike, so, do an after party recording. Oh. Alright, we'll see you later.
Future Rob here again, just to explain what you're going to be listening to here. Uh, after um, night two, which had ended with a very special atmosphere, as we're going to explain, we were all in a, quite a weird mood just with how special said atmosphere was. And as a result, um, the podcast recording was, to be honest, a bit of a mess. I think overall we did a good job talking about how special the atmosphere was, but the whole rest of the show we kind of, you know, we didn't do a good job. We had too many people there. Um, We're all too excited about the main event to really talk about anything else. So I've got on Ollie, who has since watched on VOD, and to talk about the rest of the show, which will immediately precede the talk of the main event. And we're back. Uh, I won't do the whole intro thing again, because you probably just heard us about three seconds ago. So I will say that we have just finished, uh, not Carrot, started well, World Tag Team League, night two, um, and a hell of an experience it was, and we've got quite the uh, the crowded house here. Uh, it's me, Rob, same as every other section so far. Arne is also still here. I am still here. But My voice is steadily going, though. <laughs> yep, uh, and we're also joined by two slash three guests. Um, <laughs> that sounded like I wasn't counting one of you. <laughs> but, uh, two Rob just can't count at all, it's fine. This is true, I can't find my way, I can't count, there's many a problem. But we're joined by uh, Mike Kittleby, who you probably know from Eurographs and the recent uh, Eurodraft we just did. Where he lost. Uh, thank you, I actually come third. <laughs> Still a loss. Second place loser. It's on the podium. <laughs> Uh, I'll take Alan, it. Alan Cheapshot is also joining us. Representing, I know him here as well. I think we're all going to have a good little chat now about the uh, night two. It was a really this, fun time. Is this your first time on Voices of Wrestling? No, no, no. Um, I'm a Voices of Wrestling veteran. No, I'm not. I've been on once before and it was a show that never made air. So Ooh. read into that what you will. Interesting. Great. Was, was, it just, was it just 100% shoots? I mean, when would it never be with you? Oh, no, I've got to shoot all the time. No, it's the second time on the show, uh, on the Voice of Wrestling feed, but the first time on your show, so thanks for having me on, guys. Delightful. Um, and Ian Hamilton is also in the room, so we'll get a hello from him, even if he doesn't want to speak. Hey, everyone. <laughs> he said, hey, everyone. <laughs> Just had subtitles, we'll be in the show notes. That doesn't work with audio. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to go straight to talking about uh, tonight's main event, which I've been watching wrestling for a very, very long time because I'm old. Uh, and Alan's quite old as well. Yeah. So um, between us, what how many years do you reckon we've got? Uh, I've got like thirty in the bank. Yeah. And, um, so twenty plus. So they were over fifty yeah. years. I've never ever heard a crowd reaction like that in my entire like thirty year wrestling watching career. It was. It was special. Very special. I think uh, for me as well. Um, We've all been spent plenty of shows uh, over the years, you know, small shows, big shows, medium shows, but this was something special tonight. The crowd from the get-go. How long would you say, guys, the crowd were chanting? I think it was 15 minutes. About. I, I looked back at the... Because t- I tweeted uh, out a couple of minutes into the chanting, and then I was like... I looked back at it, and I was like, well, they've gone past 10 minutes, and the dueling chant was still going on, so it's got to be 15, which is... I've, I've never... No, no, it's not that. And the volume Without tiring well. either, which... Yeah. <laughs> there's sustained pops, and that's a whole new universe. Well, they're all powered by Monster Energy, the uh, sponsored drink of this weekend. <laughs> uh, 
have sponsored us, so they can fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say I've been drinking Deebles out all weekend. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we should probably give some context to this. Basically, the match started, actually just before the match started, I think the, the dueling champs properly started. Well, we did, we did it, because um, I think it really originated in our corner, but we did it when uh, Bobby came out, and then we let Ilya come out. We was all trying. To, we was actually going to try and drown out Ilya's music with it, but obviously that didn't work. So, it's quite loud. So then, yeah, we I think we let them do the intros and then where you went. Yeah. And it was you know, just just give a little taste of it. It was guns, Bobby guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> back and forth. I'm going to do this though. Should we do it? <laughs> <laughs> just and it was. Incredible. Um, they, everyone's experienced a dueling champ, and everyone's, well, most people. And when it happens, it's incredible. Whenever it happens, when you have a, an entire crowd involved in a dueling champ, that it's a special atmosphere. Do you remember back? Um, it was Global Wars a few years ago, and it was Hero versus Shibata. Yes. Um, and there was a big dueling champ there, and that felt very special. That was nothing compared that, that to what we got go, here. That did go like I think that must have gone about two or three minutes. We said like two or three minutes. <laughs> I've heard dueling champs go for a couple of minutes, and it's been like, wow, this atmosphere is incredible. And then this is just on like a completely different level. I've never heard anything like. There was multiple times where like we was trying to like kind of go like, okay, let's start to clap it out a little bit but like it just wasn't working <laughs> <laughs> it, and it was completely as well uh organic this wasn't a planned thing i mean this match ended up being it was an interim title match so we're missing absolute andy who was yeah. announced this morning that he was injured so you know th- this match came together quite quite quickly as uh, an interim match as i said and i just thought yeah wow hats off to everyone you know every fan and it was really good to see that you know you had some of the guys on the uh uh, the gangway, um, so the commentary team, they were getting into it. They were Rico Bushido yes. was marvelous. Like, I was just watching him, like, stand up, like, right on the rail. And he was waving his arms. So like, into it. And then, like, the VIP area, who aren't usually the most vocal of parts in the venue, with, like, kids <laughs> on the front row. Call the Sandwich Brigade? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the no, they were chatting as well. They were all chatting. Like, the, kids, the kids were going crazy. There was one kid who was like, had his hands in oh, his so But it was so loud. Yeah, it was, yeah. Loud, sustained. Yeah. And it all. Yeah. And every minute or so, it would start to dip out a little and then just go yeah, back up again. Back. Like all the coaster effects, up and down, up and down. Yeah, it's it was like sustained. A couple of you took a bit of a break. And then come but back. Then it's it's ships. Ships. <laughs> 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 the thing, like kind of being in the middle of it, there there were points where our corner was sort of actually we weren't doing it. We were clapping, but we weren't we weren't kind of singing along. And um, you know, then all of a sudden we're like, well, let's get back in. And then other people kind of like, but there was there was there was about two people down. There was kind of the main Ilya group as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, yeah, it was. Yeah, I could see it from up top. It was, uh, <laughs> and one of my favourite bits was um, midway through all this, you know, just seven minutes in, right towards the beginning. <laughs> um, this is actually a match we're talking about. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get to the match in a bit because I think that's going to be a fun conversation. But um, Mako Satomura comes up up the stairs and she she turns, I think it was 
oh, I can't actually remember who she turned to, but she turned to one of the other wrestlers and she just goes, wow. <laughs> and she gets out her phone and she's videoing it for about a minute with her mouth agape. And this is a legend who's seen so much in wrestling and you could tell like she'd never seen anything like but it before. This, this is what we were saying at the top. It's like, this, this doesn't happen. It, it you was... don't get that sustained combat in the crowd like that. It was combat. And the thing that, the kind of thing about it as well for me is it didn't overstay its welcome because I was worried that we were going 10, maybe 15 minutes, this chant went. And I thought this is going to overshadow the match, which in itself everyone's going to get to was the match was really, really good. And luckily for me, they, they didn't overstay the welcome with the with the chant. It was very, very special to let them the match take over and you'll tell the story of the match. Yeah, it felt at one point like it was going to go the whole match. Yeah, that's what you I definitely was thinking. got the sense. Mm-hmm. And then it it, it it almost felt like they were saving the good parts for when chance stopped because <laughs> well, they had a lot of stuff. How many times did Bobby Gorge do think or think the same? <laughs> no, probably shoot around. No, forget about no, it. Was we really got song. Bolton was just in front of us, guys, yeah. and, <laughs> and <laughs> Bobby Guns goes to do the the finger snap thing. And he, he puts his finger up to his lips to shush the crowd, and Volta just bursts out laughing in a way I've never seen him laugh before. And he's just like, what is he doing? Like, there's no chance, because this was right in the middle of it. And then he happened again. I was behind some of the higher-ups, uh, like Dennis Birkendall, mm-hmm. who was Kohlenberg, and they, they were all laughing as well. It was that one of those moments where it's just the... As if he's tried to just shush that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, like, I don't know, very, very special, and Hello, it's me again. Yeah, I was just talking about two seconds ago, probably. And as the me of, well, actually a future me, but a, a couple of minutes ago will have just told you before that Ilya and Bobby Guns chat, the rest of the talk, we kind of were in a weird mood and didn't get around to properly talking about the rest of the card very well. So I have brought in an Ollie Court from the future to Hello. join me. <laughs> He's managed to uh, work his way into this episode despite not being there, um, which is quite impressive for a live episode, but uh, he's done it nonetheless. Uh, thank you for retrieving me off of Solo Podcast Island and returning me to humanity and society. It, it was it was good. I, um, <laughs> I haven't done a solo podcast for a long time, but the first one I did was really bad. Um... So I was I was I was very proud to see how well you did, Ollie. Very proud. Pat on the head. Thank you very much, Rob. <laughs> Almost redeemed your Eurodraft performance. Uh, not quite though. Unbelievable. Three <laughs> uh, <laughs> times a loser. Although um, you you you'll probably get bullied a bit less for Martina after how impressive she was at Femmes Fatale. Well, I didn't draft her this year, so it doesn't count. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we've mainly got you on to talk about the everything other than the main event on night two. Okay. But uh, just quickly, since I know you, you're pretty fresh off having watched it on VOD, uh, what were your overall thoughts on the, the atmosphere and the match itself? Oh, well, certainly the atmosphere was incredible. <laughs> like it, That certainly came through on the VOD, and especially with the commentary, Alan and Rico bouncing up and down. Um, definitely brought it into the home as well as in the arena, so that was really good. Uh, in terms of a match, like they didn't really do very much, but they didn't need to, <laughs> so it was just sort of the characters and the, the big emotion coming through, um, and I thought they got that across really, really well, the intensity, um, 
like on the finish, especially with all the, the finger breaks and then guns getting caught with his pants down. And a very good Torpedo Moscow. The move sometimes doesn't look amazing, but he made it. He really, really landed with it this time around. So that was really good. And yeah, just a, a really awesome tentpole match for the weekend, really. Yeah, the conclusion we kind of all came to was the atmosphere was so incredible that the match could have been anything and it would have yeah. worked. <laughs> um, and honestly, being there live, so many of us came away saying, that was incredible. I don't even know if the match was good, though. Like, yeah. we weren't sure because we just couldn't tell. It was it was almost... Com- the match was almost secondary in a way, um, but not in like a... <sighs> I guess you'll have a good perspective from having just watched the VOD, but it, to me it didn't feel like uh, the crowd was overshadowing the match, it was the crowd was a huge part mm. of the match, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, so maybe in the middle it, there was a bit of aimlessness, maybe because the crowd was so into it that they didn't even have to do anything, and that mm-hmm. maybe deconstructed it a bit, but certainly at the beginning and the end, everything was firing on all cylinders, and the atmosphere was perfect, so... Yeah, it was kind of a weird match structurally, but, I mean, it didn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah, it was it was a great main event, even if it wasn't necessarily yeah. a great match, but at that point, as long as... It, it was a tremendous way to end the night of action, and you, like, you can never take that away from it, and that'll probably be the thing you remember years from now, from this weekend, mm-hmm. despite... You know, no matter how good the match itself was. But uh, moving on to to the rest of the card, I'll I'll let you take the lead since you've you've just watched it now. Night two saw four more tournament matches: singles match between Tony Storm and Vesna, and starting us off, the WXW Shotgun Championship match between Dickhead Jim Guy Maris Alani, which he's really embraced <laughs> very very well, versus uh, Shoot Car apparently Julian Pace. Um, I'm just having to pretend to be in on the in-jokes of the weekend because I wasn't there. I'm snaking in and ruining everyone's good time, as I'm good at. (laughs) Um, But yeah, this was a really fun way to get things going. Like, Julian Pace came off really, really well on night one, winning that four-way. And he didn't feel too overmatched here. Like, he felt like he belonged in the ring with Alani, but Alani was just going to bully him around. So a a nice way to get going on on the first night, on on the first match even. But probably... The matches I want to talk about more are most of the Tag Team League matches, because there was some really, really top-quality stuff in there. The Okami team versus Calamari Catch Kings was probably <laughs> the best match of the night, I want to say. Like, even though, as we said, the main event was uh, was so ridiculous <laughs> and a special atmosphere, this was probably, for me, the best, like, worked match of the night. Um... Gresham and Brooks are firing on all cylinders in this tournament, I feel. Like, they're, they're really, really having a go at it, getting all these... I mean, they had a great match with uh, Ring Camp on night one, and now they're getting another big team um, that I'm sure they've watched a lot of and were uh, having a nerd out over being able to wrestle um, in Hashimoto and Kamatani. Um, and Kamatani was really, really up for this weekend, you can tell. Hashimoto is definitely there, like, he's still trying hard, but, like, Kamatani's like jumping off the page with his effort, even on Inner Circle. He was running around the place trying to kill himself. <laughs> so that was really fun. Um, what did you think of uh, CCK and Okami? 
Um, overall, and this will be a, a theme of the, the the free podcasts we've we've kind of crammed into one here. Yeah. Um, Okami at every level impressed because we all knew they were good going in. Yeah. But their the way the how well they worked with the the foreign talent and how well they tailored themselves to the crowd they were working in front of was was very impressive um and, and quite refreshing to see given how like how how both of their careers have kind of stalled a bit in in big japan over the last few years here they felt so fresh and so impressive and they, <laughs> they won over so many new fans uh and this this match was was absolutely no different um uh, i was very impressed by the um julian pace in the uh shotgun match i thought that that one yes yeah. was, was one that over delivered quite a bit um, I've always seen Julian Pace, well, always, I haven't been watching him that long, but, like, for the last year or so, I thought he was a solid guy with some decent potential. He over-delivered uh, in that match. I thought it was really good, and um, I was expecting it to be, you know, your solid gentleman's free thrown at it, that sort of <laughs> level. But I, I, I think, thought... yeah, it went beyond gentleman's free, I thought. Definitely. Like, there, was, there was some proper... Like especially at the end when they they did the Marisol and he dive over the corner 